So, um, interesting, um, I started today noon prayer. I had just been working on this for a while, just waiting. And um, I'll, I'll explain the, this to you, i explain this to them. So, not very long ago, I was up in Champaign, Illinois, and I was doing um, a prayer conference. Um, Trent and Rhonda Cloyne had asked me to come up, and um, uh, Rhonda was someone... Uh, she's like a little sister to me. Uh, she was in my youth group when I was a youth pastor in Paris, Illinois. And uh, so uh, she called my wife one time and said, I, we need to have a prayer conference. Tell me who the best preacher you know is on prayer that we would have a prayer conference. And my wife said, my husband. So, um, and then she said, and then Belinda. And then I think she threw in Dana Schrader there. That would have been fun if it had been Dana Schrader up there too. But anyway, um, so, but, so I went up there just expecting to minister to church. And then suddenly... I got about 15 to 20 ministers in the room uh, during the day. And so it kind of took on a thing. And while I was doing it, you know, how many of you know it, uh, we have to be wise and understand the seasons and the time we live in? And so even prayer, there's a, a thing that the Lord wants. And so um, as I was ministering to them, and I really talked to them a lot out of the book of Acts about the results of our prayers. I've been teaching on that since 1994, and I've preached it all over the world. And you may get a little bit of that uh, here and there in the next few weeks. But um, when I first came into the body of Christ um, and went to Bible school, uh, there began to be an error on the subject of intercession. Now, I hate to go at this way because probably none of you are in error or none of you are old enough to remember it. Um, but it really kind of got off the rails. And uh, people were warring in tongues and they were renting helicopters and airplanes and pulling down strongholds. And they began to wear fatigues to church and stuff like that. And although, I don't know, that's kind of cool. But we're not doing We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Um, Start our own ward, a line of wardrobes. Get Wesley and Chad on it, but but we're not going to do that. But anyway, it got kind of got off. But I was a little Methodist boy. I didn't even know what intercession was. That was a word never heard in my life. I just barely knew what prayer was. And so what happened with me, as my spiritual father, what he did, and the Lord used him sometimes, was to correct people and bring them in from one ditch. Because the devil, if he can't get you to backslide, if he can't get you um, to, you know, turn away from God, he'll get behind you with a foot and put you off, push you off into extreme. And you notice, and I don't mean this wrong, there's a lot of denominational people who don't get off into extremes. It's just the spirit-filled folk. One, just to be real, they're not preaching a whole lot. And but, so what the devil do with us, though, is we're learning and ever learning. We want to know ever more and ever more. So he just gets behind and pushes us off into a ditch. But if you're in a ditch, you're no good. And so someone, the Lord will use someone to bring it back to the middle. But if you're already in the middle, what will happen to you is what happened to me. You'll go to the ditch on the other side. You got to be careful of correcting people. And we teach young ministers all the time be careful not to correct, just teach the word. Just teach the word. The Holy Ghost is the corrector, you just teach the word. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. But uh, I'm saying all this to say um, for me, I got messed up because I remember this lady came to our church and she was quite the prayer. And uh, she said to me, I believe we need to intercede. And I was like, We don't intercede here, we supplicate. Intercession, no, 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 that can get crazy. So I really just, I said to her, I, I, I looked at her like she had horns. I remember it. Because intercession means wildness, means error. 
And so after she walked away, um, something on the inside said, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, well, and so he's like, let us come aside and let me teach you the way more correctly. And so uh, that was in um, the 90s. And so I touched it again in Champagne. I touched it. And when I touched it, I knew I had to do more than touch it. I knew that we had to get after it. Because I do remember a time back then after I kind of got it, uh, how the Lord dealt with me. He said, uh, without intercession, there's no strength to bring forth the new birth. Without someone praying and believing for others. Because how many know the lost and the backslidden don't care nothing about God? They're too busy sinning. They're too busy living in their old nature. They don't care about God. They might, if they get into big trouble, they might throw up a prayer. But as a whole, they don't care anything about God. They're living in and practicing sin. The blinders have come on their eyes. They're blind to walking with God. And in some ways, they get to the place where they just don't care about God. And we know that's going on all around us. Yet, you and I, are you grateful you're saved? Come on, this is Wednesday night, and there's a lot of you here tonight. Y'all surprised me. And, 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 and so I know that you love God, and I know you're hungry for the things of God. But all, you know, freely we have received, now freely we need to give away. I said freely, are you grateful you're saved? Are you grateful you're filled with the Holy Ghost? We can walk in health and wholeness and blessing and, we, and peace. And we teach you the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But it would be selfish for us to keep it all to ourselves. If you know, come on, we need to be like the kid at the front of the classroom in every class that used to annoy you. And I was him. When the teacher asked, do you know the answer? Yes, I know it. <laughs> I did know it. Call on me. I had something, everyone's supposed to say, Mark, put your hand down. I'm not calling on you. I knew the answer. And now I know the answer again. Now, I'll tell you this. When we start this way, I need you to pray for me because the devil don't like none of this. Just like he doesn't like it when I teach on the authority of the believer. He doesn't like it when we get serious about the loss and the backslidden. He doesn't like it when I'm trying to turn you all into ministers of reconciliation. He just like us, you know, just stay in the room, be a little bless me club, worry about you and yours, and then but but we're not gonna be that way. We're gonna we're turning our we're turning our faith. You know, the faith that God gave you to receive healing, to walk in prosperity. I believe that was practice faith for the harvest. Because see, how do you know your faith works unless you can receive for yourself? And you need to keep doing that. But now let's have faith for somebody else. Let's have faith for somebody else. And it really starts in the realm of prayer. Now, you get me all stirred up about this, and they did up there. I've told you this, and some of you know this about me. Sometimes I'd rather pray than preach. I'd rather pray than preach. The Lord's been having me do a whole lot of things, and he's going to make me do some minister's meetings about prayer, and we're doing all that. So I'm heading this direction. But you're going to get more of this because I really sense it in my heart. And so I hadn't touched this for a while. And when I touched it again, and there was a pre to it on a Wednesday here in prayer, um, it do, it's not come on me too many times, but I even had them turn the live stream off because I got into a place of intercession that um, it was very intense. 
And so I believe, and, and, and so sometimes people take some of those things and, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to groan and travail. That's like t- telling a woman, I'm going to teach you how to have pain when you're having labor. She don't need taught. From what I understand, she knows it. And God put what, you know, that's why she gets mad on the TV. I don't know. I wasn't there in the room because they ran, you know, Pastor Rhonda had to have an emergency C-section, which I wasn't totally mad about. But anyway, so, but, but uh, I didn't have to be there. And there. You know, she didn't have to grab a hold of me and slap me while she was having pain. So, but I'm just saying, though, you, you don't have to teach a woman to give birth. You can have coaching and all that kind of stuff. But she, something in, God put it in her to know how to do it. And in the same way, um, I, I just know that um, there, there's going to there's gonna be some things that you know on the inside that I just want to coach you a little bit because I just know that God's, he, he, need, he needs us right now. God don't need me. Yeah, he needs us right now. It seems as though God can do nothing on the earth until somebody asks. And then when I was touching it up there, you know, I came home and I've been stewing about it and stuff and it just, I can't stew anymore. I just got to get it out. So and then I looked at my notes, and the last time that I seriously taught on intercession in this, my own church, is 1997. We overdue. And I think that's kind of the thing with the harvest. It's overdue to come in. It's overdue to come in. The fields are ripe unto harvest. And then I was praying today, and he said to me, where are my laborers? Where are they? You know, all this stuff didn't catch God off guard, but he can be disappointed in his body just like a father can be disappointed in their children. Not mad, not casting them out, but just disappointed. I thought I'd trained you better than that. We are at the season of harvest, and the laborers have decided to take a break. Not us. I said, not us. I said, not us. Not us. And so where does it start? It starts in prayer. I don't, you know, I've done this a long time now. I've been pastoring 29 years, been in the ministry 34. So um, I've really never, as a whole, people don't just come in off the streets because they need God. Most of the time, somebody has to bring them. Every once in a while, if someone's been brought up in the things of God and they've backslidden and got messed up, you know, in other words, mom and dad had them in church up to the time they were teenagers, and then they backslidden for 10 or 15 years and they get into a huge mess, then they might try to find a church that's similar to what they grew up in just to get some help. But most people will only come to God when we bring them. And so it starts, though, in the realm of the spirit. We're so good at starting everything in the flesh and the flesh, Jesus said, profits you how much? That's a big zero. Amen. Nothing is a big zero. So everything we do must be done in spirit. Every, everything we do, every program in the church, everything we do has to be in spirit and truth or it's flesh and it profits us nothing. And if there is any profit, then we get the credit for it and it doesn't bring glory and honor to God. And that doesn't happen, that won't happen for a long period of time. Trust me about that. And so I just want to start with something. So I had it all planned out where I was going to start. But I'm going to start off what I think is in a strange place. But this is where the Lord told me to start as I was praying today. And so I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. 
And you're going to stick with me a little bit because I'm going to lay a foundation that I normally don't lay with this. Um, I teach this in Bible Institute and prayer class. I teach one class. So every year, I think I, where I felt good about it was every year in Bible Institute, I was teaching one hour on intercession. And so I was kind of keeping it at bay that I was teaching 20 to 40 people every year about intercession, and that was good enough. But when I hit it up in Champagne and I hit some things, my heart is really stirred about this. I don't know if you can tell or not, but my heart is really stirred about this. There are lost people and backslidden people that every day around our area are, are, are they're, they're not prepared for what is coming. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said this to me. It's not about your nation. Don't Because I've been saying this, and he, he really got on me today. He said it's not about having a better nation. It's about them going to heaven or hell. He said, he told me, he said, if all you care about is having a, very, a better nation, you're very temporal. You're very carnal. He cares about heaven and hell. He has prepared a place for them that they are not currently signed up to go to. And it's very real. It's very real. And we got to get it real. And yet, he won't listen to me. So sometimes we get there, we get oh, so heavy about this. No, he wants you to enjoy your life. He just wants you to bring some other people along so they can enjoy theirs too. And so it's not about I turn everything to the loss and I got to groan and travail all day and I got to think about the loss and everything. I, no, it's just living our life with, uh, with the Lord and understanding that the Father is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He waits patiently for it. And that's why it's time for harvest. I mean, you know, he said that to us in, in December. It's time for harvest. Yes, it's time for your financial harvest. Yes, it's time for your healing harvest. Yes, it's time for your dreams and plans to come true. But he also has a harvest that he wants to bring in. Psalms 2.8 says, the heathen are your inheritance. What is that? They're just as much your inheritance as healing is your inheritance, as prosperity is your inheritance, as peace is your inheritance. The heathen are for your inheritance. But are we claiming them? Are we believing God for them? Are we expecting to impact their lives? And so, mm, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So this is interesting. Let's just dig in and see where we go. Because we're already going places I didn't think we'd go. Hallelujah. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, can you throw up the Amplified for me? 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I didn't get my notes to you before because I didn't know what I was going to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verse number 9. Um, Amplified classic. It says, yet I am glad now, not because you were pained, but because you are pained into repentance, okay? So everybody know what's going on here. There is this uh, family that uh, the son decided he wanted to um, take daddy's new woman, his stepmother, and make her his own. And so he stole her from daddy, and they're living together in sin. Everybody knows that living together when you ain't married is sin. Uh huh. Everybody knows that. And because they were living together without a marriage covenant, it was sin. It wasn't just that it happened to somebody in the church, it was sin. And yet the church in Corinthians, them tongue talkers, them Holy Ghost flowers, those jump up and down, run around the rumors, 
right? Happy people in the Lord got to have church every time they came to church. They wouldn't do anything about it. And his sword displeased the Lord. So much so that the apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost, says, you all better take care of this because my spirit, I, I don't know how this all works. He said, when I, you know, we got, you, you better rebuke this guy. And you better get this fixed. I'm not, he's not just irritated with him. As a matter of fact, he was less irritated with him and more irritated at the church. Because they allowed it right under their nose. All right. Yeah, now, not, so, so he, he corrected them in 1 Corinthians. Now, 2 Corinthians, we know they got it all fixed up. Aren't you glad that you can get it all fixed up? I'm, what am I telling you? I'm about to tell you some things. Is because you and I know this. You and I... I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about having it all together. You and I are growing in God, and we're doing the best we can. And even we know that things come. But can you imagine people who are willfully practicing sin, those who are not born again? The wages of sin is always, without a question, what? Death. Death to something. Not just physical death, death to something. Now, so he's starting here, and where he had me starting here, I'm just going along. I'm, I'm along for the ride just like you are right now. Yet I am glad now, not because you were pained, but because you were pained into repentance. Everybody say repentance. And so you turned back to God. For you felt a grief such as God meant you to feel, so that nothing you might suffer loss through us or harm for what we did. So they were meant to have a godly sorrow. Everybody say godly sorrow. Verse 10, verse 10 of this same uh, in Amplified Classic. For godly grief or sorrow and the pain God is permitted to direct produce a repentance that leads to and cr- contributes to salvation. Notice that God, it didn't say he sent sickness. It didn't say he sent disease. It didn't say he sent uh, poverty because God doesn't have any of those things we've been redeemed from. Even this backslidden guy living with his stepmama, he was still redeemed from those things. But now because God is so displeased with him and that sin is open the door to the devil and you open the door to the devil he'll march in with every demon he's got to destroy you because he ain't playing for God so what does God do we're talking tonight we're going to get into prayer but the first thing you have to understand is one of the things our prayer has to make available is that they can see they need godly sorrow This is an element missing in the church, godly sorrow. It says that uh, for for godly grief and the pain God has permitted to, y'all should see your faces, produce a repentance that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from evil. And it never brings regret, but worldly sorrow. Okay, so he's comparing and contrasting godly sorrow, which is good. Well, I just don't think anybody should have grief or sorrow. You'd be wrong because godly sorrow produces something. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm ever supposed to feel sorry for anything. You'd be wrong. Uh, you are supposed to feel grieved, sorrow broken when you disobey God and get into sin. Then there's a worldly sorrow. What does worldly sorrow look like? Well, I got caught and now I'm going to be sorry. When it was in secret, it's all okay. But I got caught. I got caught lying to you. 
I was really out to dinner with another woman, and I told you I was at work, and you caught me because you looked through my phone, and now um, I'm sorry, baby. I'll never do it again. That's worldly sorrow, which will produce exactly nothing, and if he's doing that to you, you ought to kick his butt to the curb now. I said, but. Because that will happen again and again and again and again. The only thing that will change a man or a woman is godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is directed this way before it's ever directed this way. If you're not sorry truly to God, come on, you got to be real with yourself. And see, that's the thing about getting people born again. Godly sorrow is a real thing. It's not just even coming forward and saying, whoo, I can go to heaven. A lot of those times, uh, they, even if they had a new birth experience, they're not going to live for God. Godly sorrow is really important. It's not talked a lot about it. And I talk about it when we teach on um, um, uh, faith foundations, you know, the foundational doctrines. Uh, we teach about repentance uh, and this stuff. And then even in the modern church today, the, you know, the, the, the new grace teaching is you don't ever have to repent anymore. You repent once when you got born again and you never repent again. Unscriptural. Not right. Really leads to death and destruction. Because what it does is tell you, you're, it's okay for you to sin. You don't have to repent about it. And they say, I've had people I love and love. And I, I got honorary with a couple of them. I'm like, well, you should read your Bible. And you should read in the book of Revelation. Because at the end, even Jesus told the church at Ephesus, which was the best church, that there was one thing he had against them and they needed to repent. That's the church. So we can't take repentance, which is a gift, out of the church. What does this have to do with prayer? Well, I think you got to know what you're praying for. And so one of the things you and I have got to understand is that godly sorrow is a real thing, and it needs to happen. And, my, and you know what? If I'm a person that's praying for them, and I don't have godly sorrow anymore, I can't really pray with power for them to have godly sorrow. Are you with me? i got to have godly sorrow when I sin. Let's call it a sin, not just a mistake. If you call it a mistake, it'll just keep being a mistake. When it's sin, it's against God. Oh, Pastor Mark, don't start preaching along these lines. You're going to run people off. I might just run them to the altar. I just might get them real good with God. I I just might because nobody else is preaching on it. I just well, is this hellfire and damnation? I don't know what it is. I never. I don't know what it is, but I know what God wants, and I know what the Word says. And the truth is that we have to have godly sorrow. I don't, you know, um, uh, all of us, and if we don't understand it for ourselves, how can we pray in faith for others? Because uh, I can go through a ton of scriptures, and I'm not sure I'm going to, but uh, godly sorrow produces something. What does it say? It produces salvation. So all that salvation is, deliverance. From the sin, from the evil, from the habit that they tell you it's okay to have, that you were just born that way. Well, you, I don't care what you was born, you wasn't born again that way. I don't care what your flesh tells you. It can be confused, but if you, if you begin to dominate it with a born-again spirit, it'll change. Come on. And I'm just talking about sin and their confusion about, you know, who are they. I mean, anything, your personality. Everything is up for change when you get born again and delivered. 
And it never brings regret. But worldly grief or worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow that is in characteristic of the pagan world. What is the characteristic of the pagan world? I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do anything about it. Listen, I tell people all the time, if he or she first repents to you because you got, they got caught and promises you baby, you need to make sure that they've gone vertical. And they say, go vertical and then come back and talk to me. Go vertical and I'll know what you look like because I know if you've been vertical or not. Praise the Lord. But worldly sorrow is deadly. Deadly. We're no long, we, we can't be carnal. We can't live by the flesh. Worldly sorrow, just get being sorry. I'm sorry about this and I'm sorry about that. My mom used to say this to me and I never understood it until I grew up because she said it all the time. Because I, I, I was a bigot when I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And I said, I'm sorry, mamaw. She, mamaw would say to me, sorry is as sorry does. I didn't understand it. I really didn't understand it until I was an adult. One day, and I think I was studying along this lines, and that's when the Lord said to me, that's what your mamaw meant. Sorry is, if you're really sorry, sorry changes itself. Well, it's just, it's just a habit. It's just, it's just, it's so hard to break. Well, everything can be broken with godly sorrow. Amen. Everything can be broken with godly sorrow. It's not necessarily easy, but it starts with godly sorrow. And then it leads to what? It leads to repentance. I think, um, I just want to talk about this a minute. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm going to get to the prayer part, but I'm starting where the Lord told me to start because this is so strong in my heart. There is a harvest that is moving to North Alabama. They think they're coming for jobs. They think they're coming for jobs. But the Lord has a design on them. And we're part of that design. We're not the only good church in this area. There are other good churches, but we're one of them. And God's going to send us our share of people because we're, we're going to go get them. We're going to go get them. You know that thing they did at the, um, down at the, uh, what was that, little festival thing down there, street festival. You know, everybody, they gave over 1,200 invites out. And people were receptive. But we have to pray for them. You know, I hope we're not just looking at that and say, well, you know, Lord bless them. Well, the Lord wants to do more than bless them. He wants to, A, produce godly sorrow in them so they can bring them into the kingdom of God so their whole life will change and their families will change. We have the answer. Ooh, ooh, I know the answer. We have the answer. And it starts in godly sorrow. And it's helping me too. Is it helping you? Everything we do. Did, if I did something wrong, if I sinned, did I, with a sincere heart, don't just First John 1, 9 it. Just slap his nail-scarred hand. Just slap it. I First John 1, 9 it. Oh. Now, he paid a high price so that you and I can be clean, so that we could be righteous. And when you miss it, though, you should run to him. When you sin, you should run to him. The blood of Jesus will forgive you. That godly, godly sorrow will produce repentance. And it has to repent. But, but so there's teaching going around today, and I, I understand, because they're trying to pull people out of religion. 
Because if you grew up, let's say, in a certain uh, group of people, you know, they're, they're repenting and they give you assignments of do this and do that. And, and if you grew up in that, what is that? That's an extreme over here on this ditch of you don't have to repent, you know, for the sins of commission and omission and permission and demission. And I got a mission and I got a sin and I'm, and I'm confessing all day long. I'm looking at my robe of righteousness and it's always soiled. It's always dirty. And, and, and oh my gosh, you know, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. I got to repent. I got to repent. And all day long they repent. That's not right. That's right. That's, you need a revelation of 1 John 1, where the blood of Jesus, as you walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus will continually cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come on, it's like being hooked up to a blood transfusion, and it keeps you clean. That, that's what it means. It, it continually is continually washing you. Uh, so you don't have to worry about the sin of commission, omission, permission. And every night before you go to bed, you don't have to say, Lord, forgive me for every sin that I committed and every one that I don't even know about. Forgive me, forgive me. For, that, that's wrong. That's unhealthy. That's unhealthy. That's not right. You're the righteous of God in Christ. But if you do sin and you know it, then you you can confess. And I had someone say, see, the Lord said confess. He didn't say repent. He said confess. Oh, please, don't be a wordsmith on me. You don't know enough to be one. (laughs) Confess. But the rest of the scripture talks about repent. And so you've got to weigh every scripture together. Yes, you confess, but with that, what are you doing? Godly sorrow works repentance. I'm not just 1 John 1, 9 in it. Help me, Lord. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to show you where they're at, but we have to be at a place first to pray from a position that our prayers have power. Amen. I know what the devil's trying to do. I've fought him enough years to know. I've stood against him in a long time. I know where I came from. I know what I had to fight against. And I know what he's raising his ugly head. He knows we are on the precipice of the greatest move of God and the harvest of souls and men and women, boys and girls, that this world has ever seen. And yet there's things the Lord needs from the church. He needs harvesters. He needs us to pray. He needs us really to, uh, to be from a place of prayer where he can move on our prayers. The prayers of a righteous man avails much, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in their working. And so he needs us to be in that. But repentance is part of it. And so this is the deal. Repentance is not necessarily coming up to an altar, laying out on the floor and bawling and squalling and needing a box of Kleenex. That, that doesn't necessarily mean repentance. Repentance, the truest definition is to be sorry towards, if you say towards God, sorry towards God with also a change of attitude, mind, and heart. I got to change my attitude. I got to change what's going on. I got to change my mind. I got to, in other words, sorry is as sorry does. I got my mamaw said, sorry, I got a t-shirt, hallelujah. My mamaw said that, and I never understood it. Because if I'm saying sorry for the same things over and over again, I really haven't got it fixed. I really haven't got it fixed. Lord, help us to fix some things. You got some things to fix? I might have some things to fix. We all might have some stuff to fix. But let's get fixing it. Who does that? The Holy Ghost will help you. The Holy Ghost will help you. He's the teacher. He's the, and, it, and there's no condemnation. Don't you leave here tonight feeling all condemned because that's not God. 
What, what, so this, repentance is liberty. Yeah. Repentance is a gift. Because yeah. what happens is after you get born again, you're repentant after you got born again. And then there, if you mess up, you get into sin. There's no more hope. You've got to live with that the rest of your life. You've got to hobble through life. No, no, no. We, repentance is a gift. Yeah. Repentance is a gift. And, and so even, um, I was thinking of this one today. Um, do you remember uh, Philip the Evangelist was preaching in Samaria? Y'all remember that? So in the book of Acts, uh, what chapter is that? Like eight or something like that. Anyway, so he's down there preaching in Samaria. So Philip the Evangelist. So the whole city gets born again. You remember that? And there was a dude named Simon, Simon the sorcerer. And he wasn't just Simon the sorcerer. He was the spiritual leader of Samaria. He was just wicked. I don't know that he was a mean guy, but he had had them all uh, following him. He was the man of, he he was a sorcerer, but he had them all in the palm. In other words, he was the spiritual leader there. They looked to him. Because that's why the Bible brings out, even he got born again. Because so you can look and you can trace through it. We don't have time, but you can trace through it. And because everybody knows that he asked to pay money, right? You remember that? For the gift of the Holy Ghost because he saw it poured out on them. And he said, I want to, here, here's some money. Let me pay for that because I want to work with the Holy Ghost too. I want to see them speak in tongues. So we know, and remember what did, what did uh, Peter say? He's like, you better repent. He's like, you are jealous. You're, that jealousy that's in you is driving you. And you better get this fixed. He said, you better repent. Well, some people say, well, it's because he's a worldly man. He needs to repent. Oh, no, back it up, back it up, back it up. Because the Bible says he got born again and baptized. That makes him saved. That makes him saved. Well, you can't can't redo the Bible to fit your... we, We don't have a belief and then go to the Bible and try to make it. We go to the Bible and form our beliefs. Well, I have a right to my own belief. No, you don't. Not if you're a Christian, you don't have a right to believe what you want to believe. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And God's always right. Sometimes you and I are wrong. We try to be the most right, but none of us are always right. I'm not right. If I can't prove to you what I preach, you ought to be a good Berean, and you, might have, you ought to study to make sure, not criticizing, but making sure what anybody is saying is correct, and they're not plucking scriptures out of context. So this man's born again. Water baptized. And it says that Peter and John came down and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. I submit to you that I believe he was also filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says he, everywhere Philip was going, he was hanging out with him. Why? He's used to being the spiritual leader. Now, he, he agreed with they burn all their books and all that kind of stuff. But then when he saw the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out, isn't this a shame? The very thing the devil, because see, he's used to being the boss. He's used to being in charge. And so the devil got behind him in his young Christianity and pushed him off into a ditch. And that which was remaining in him, jealousy, the fact that I'm the leader, I need to be in charge here. He didn't even know all the time that after he'd been taught that as a believer, whether he was called of God or not, he himself could lay hands on the people and be filled with the Holy Ghost. It was free. It was going to be available to him. He just didn't know it yet, yet he reverted back to his old ways. But So he's a born-again Christian. I brought it up to you because the, the Bible says, Peter said, you better repent and you better do it now. And so I don't know if he did because this is what it goes on later to say. He's like, oh, Peter, pray for me. 
that this doesn't happen to me. But I don't think praying him pray, he could have prayed for him, but still Simon had to repent. He had to have godly sorrow, and we don't ever know. I I trust when we get to heaven, before he left the earth, he got that all fixed. Because he's born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I trust he made it there. But even after everybody, so that shows me that everybody and anybody who's born again can get into a place where they need to repent. Everybody say, repentance is a gift. Now you back that all the way up. Listen, what did John the Baptist come preaching? Repent. <laughs> this wasn't a trick. What did John the Baptist, what did, what did he preach? He preached repent. Why? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Here he is, the kingdom of heaven, the Lamb of God. What was he doing? John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the first coming of the Lord. The Lord was already on the earth. First coming in that way, meaning his ministry. He was sent out, and there's all kinds of scriptures about John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist. I believe he's a type of the last day church. So the reason the devil wants to quiet this repentance stuff, the reason the devil would like for people not to uh, have a, a revelation of this and the church to have a revelation of it is because repentance seems necessary for God to be able to move. It's real important. If you study this out, you're going to find John the Baptist preached, repent. And then you're going to see when Peter was up preaching, the first message in it. And yes, he's talking to sinners, but his first message was repent. Our message today is get saved. But I wonder, should it be repent? Repent. I wonder, should it be repent? Well, are we going to get old-time Pentecost in here? Well, maybe we need some old-time Pentecost power up in here. Maybe the founders of the Assembly of God, the Church of God, the Church of God in Christ, you know, those early Pentecostal denominations, they used to grab a hold of the altar and pray through. I know you're already through, but there's some elements there, and, and, and they're praying for people, praying for their cities, praying for where they lived, and, and even old-time Finney and, and the different people who had revival, the prayer for the people as they went in, you know. I think it was Finney, didn't he have a, a guy with him that went in and prayed, prayed the way, and, you know, he wasn't really famous until after he died, because after he died, the power kind of went. Prayer is important. Prayer is important. But this is, I'm just setting the groundwork. I really had no intention of going here except for I prayed it out this afternoon. I prayed it out during noon prayer. But this is important. And, and, and you know you're all here, and I know that the Lord assembled you here tonight because I know, believe he need, you need to hear this. Because um, it's not that, that you and I are necessarily doing anything wrong, and there may not be any need to be big changes, but we just need to be aware of this. The Lord needs the lost and the backslidden especially to come with a repentant attitude. And if you and I start there for ourselves, then from a place of prayer, there's more power, there's more authority in it because we understand it and we're doing it. And, and so what do they have to, well, the, Peter said repent. For the, he, he's, the, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Yeah, the power was poured out. But if you want to get into it, you're going to have to first repent. You're going to have to. What is their repentance? Number one, they repent because they've rejected Jesus. 
So someone who's getting born again has rejected Jesus. Someone who's coming back to the Lord has rejected Jesus' ways. Still rejecting Jesus. You didn't like that? I never said it quite like that before. That came up right out of my heart. They're rejecting his ways. They're not rejecting him so much. No, he's cool, and he's cool with me. But really, when someone's living in, in a sin life, they're rejecting the ways of the word. So, in, so Jesus said, because people say to him, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. What do you say? Well, then do what I say. You want to prove? <laughs> you want to prove? Then do what I say. Hallelujah. I don't know if it helped you out. I'm helping me out a whole lot. It's just sometimes good when you're on this long course. We're, we're flying from New York to Seattle. If you just get off a little bit, you're going to end up in Vancouver. You're going to end up in Alaska, which wouldn't be bad, but that's not where I was going. I was going to Seattle. And just a little bit of course miss off gets you, you know. And so this is really important to the Lord. And I appreciate you all listening and receiving it the way you're doing it because you are. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, that's what Peter said, Acts 13, Acts 3, 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of the refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. There's a lot to that. So repentance also gets your sin blotted out, but it makes preparation for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. I think God wants to do something. I think God wants to do something. I think God wants to do something. When he, on the day of Pentecost, he poured out of his spirit. That was the initial. There's many outpourings. There, the Azusa Street Revival was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It didn't take everybody. It just took a few, man, two, few people. Well, usually one man and a whole bunch of women, actually. It just took somebody. It just took somebody, and from that, Azusa Street Revival, the modern-day Pentecostal denominations were birthed. Hallelujah. From the most unlikely man who is just hungry for God and wouldn't take no for an answer. Fine, you don't want me here? I'll go somewhere else, and we'll just do it on our own. And the people followed him, and God came. But I, I think this, there's something to this about repentance and that it's important because not only we get our sins blotted out, but the, it's like I need a clean highway to really pour out on. That's what the Lord needs. And it's, not, it's nothing you can do in your flesh. It's, it's, not, it's nothing you can do in your flesh. It has to be done in the spirit. Because in the flesh, if you just try to keep your habits under, if you just try to keep that thing that dogs you, keep you, you know, uh, some of you in this room, you know, you've been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, you love the Lord, but these things that come up and they're, they're real and, and somebody else may just say, get over it, but they're very real and they don't walk in your shoes and they don't understand. But, but God is the equalizing factor here that if you lean on him, if you'll yield to them, and you'll keep that, that heart of repentance towards God, that, keep that godly sorrow working, and, and then he, he, he's the deliverer. And then if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And then the thing that the devil tried to destroy you will probably be the platform that you get to preach off of. Hallelujah. Um, oh, I looked it up. I went and got my phone and everything because I had this on my heart. Let me find it. 
Acts 13, 24. Acts 13. So Paul's up and he's preaching. And he's talking about everything that's happened up until now. And in verse 24, King James says, uh, talking about John the Baptist, when John had, John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I'm not he, but behold, there comes one after me whose shoes on his feet I'm not worthy to loose. John came preaching repentance and the baptism of repentance. That was a type and a shadow of Jesus baptizing with the Holy Ghost and fire. Because he always connected it together. It seems like repentance is necessary before the real baptism of fire comes and sweeps through the body of Christ. And even sweeps through our nation and the nations of the world. So it seems to be very key right now. I'm not trying to take you backwards. I'm trying to take you forward. I'm I'm not trying to put something on you you can't do. I'm not trying to make you go around feeling sorry. No, that's not what this is about, feeling down, feeling condemned. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ because you're not a sinner anymore. What I'm talking about is this um, being flippant with sin. The Lord forgives me. Yes, he forgives you. But we need (laughs) you and I, I'm not talking to you, you and I. Need to make sure that what we're doing is pleasing. And it seems as though that there's an element of godly sorrow and repentance that will cause a It causes the here. It causes the Mongoche Falakangi Isapahan. It causes the the things of this earth to be able to be changed by the Most High. It causes the things that are going on around you to to be pushed back to the to, to the Pakoda, to the to the gates of hell where they belong. It causes when the church comes up to this higher place of repentance and sorrow towards the Father, it causes things to change all around you. It's not about condemnation. It's not about Trying in yourself. We're not talking about willpower here. Your willpower, you might as well check it at the door. Because your willpower is nothing against the devil. Well, I'm going to do better. No, I'm strong in the Lord and the power is mine. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even if it's the devil harassing you morning, noon, or night, which I do understand about. I do. I do. Even that, the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul said, fine, I'm going to glory in my weakness. I get it. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. In myself, I can't do it, but I don't have to live here in myself anymore. I trust you. I trust you. Hallelujah. I trust you. Woo! Well, since we're talking about prayer, at least I ought to mention it. Hallelujah. Well, I don't even know if we're ready for it. Um, but um, I'll tell you where we're going. I'll give you a little um, where we're going about praying. Matthew chapter 9. No. First Timothy chapter 2. Man, I am just really, I'm just working some things tonight. First Timothy chapter 2. 
verses 1 through 3, to start with. This is an interesting for the time we live in. Depending on who you listen to these days, uh, some people have ripped this one right out of the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession. So supplication is a fervent prayer, usually for a person who is born again. Like I labor fervently in prayer for you, the scripture says, until Christ be formed in you. So in other words, that's for a baby Christian, that's someone who's having trouble. I can help you if I labor fervently for you in prayer. That Christ would be formed in you. That's a good one especially for someone who's backslidden. Uh, Prayers, generally all prayers. Intercession. Intercession is approaching the king on behalf of someone who has no legal standing. So it's a lost person, and it could include some backslidden people because of their non-interest in living the ways of the Lord. Intercession. And giving of thanks, and so we all know what giving of thanks, be made for all men. Well, how am I going to pray for all men? Well, you're going to have to do it in the Spirit. You're going to have to do it by the help of the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to follow his leading, his promptings, and his direction. For kings. Now, let's talk about kings. Where did kings come from? Now, you've just bought, now, at my house, because my wife is interested and my daughter is interested, I understand there's a new king over there in England. What's his name? Charles. And then there's a, then there's a prince now, I guess, or was he always the prince? And then there's a non-prince who was a prince. I don't know. <laughs> And then some people are mad because they're not princesses and princesses anymore. I don't know what the problem is. But how, you know, how, did, how did Charles get to be king? Because he was born into it. Did the people of the United Kingdom have any choice? And even if he's a good king or a bad king, what are you supposed to do for him? That's an ordinance from who? Can you change that? Should you try? You're supposed to do what? All right. And for all those who are in, that's spiritual authority, but it's also natural authority. So in some countries of the world, they elect people, don't they? And a a broad group of people elect them, don't they? And they become in office, don't they? And then what are you supposed to do? Well, I'm not praying for him. He's not my president. I'm not praying for him. He's not duly elected. I am just going there and I'm tired of it all. Because I am so tired of carnal Christianity and prophets prophesying things that aren't from God. Just done with it. Let's do what the word says. And when your favorite mayor or governor gets elected, then pray just to put an extra prayer in for them. But if someone you don't like, you are still supposed to pray. I've had people that I highly respect say to me, I'm not praying for him. They do not know how that tainted my view of them. People of faith, people of prayer. You're not praying for them anyway. You're not really praying for the king. You're not really praying for the mayor. You're not really praying for the governor. You're not really praying for the pre- Lord. I love my president. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless her. Bless her. Bless. That's not what it's about. You're praying for a seat. Y'all right? Pastor Ron is not here to help me. If I did any damage, she'll be back. Hallelujah. She'll be back. 
She's out in California at a conference. Maybe she shouldn't have gone. But anyway, we're here, and you're all here. Come on. If we're going to pray, let's pray with the word. Let's stay with the word. Let's stay with the word. Let's stay with the word. Stay with the word. The word says I'm supposed to pray for the king. I'm going to pray for those that are in authority. Like them, lump them, whoever's there, whoever they put in there, I'm going to pray for them. Well, if they're not supposed to be there, then I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe God for the seat, and I'm going to let God handle it. And then I'm, the next election, I used to say this funny, but you can't even say this funny anymore. The next election, I'll vote two times, but you can't say that because it's wrong now. But don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Now, see, Pastor Rhonda's here. She'd be like, don't you do that. Just vote once and vote legal and take your ID. All right, we got that all cleared up. That we may lead, well, how, how many of you know this? Do you want to lead a quiet and peaceable life? Well, I need my government to be right for that to happen. You do not. I'll take you to India where the Christians are living a peaceable life, filled with the Holy Ghost, led of God, under somebody who would rather kill them than look at them. I don't want to hear it. You care more about your comfort than the kingdom of God and your preference. Help me. Do we, need, do we have a board meeting or anything? We're good. Lord have mercy. Where is this coming from? I want to lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is where we're trying to get to. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good and acceptable. You have to pray. You have to supplicate. You have to intercede for the king, for those in authority, so that you can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But verse 4 is tied. I don't know why he tied it there. But I'm not God and neither are you. Apostle Paul by the Holy Ghost, verse 4. Go there. It says this. Who will have all men to be what? So if I pray for the king, if I pray for the person in authority, and I really intercede for them, and I really supplicate, and I offer thanksgiving, and I pray for the office, the seat, then God says to me, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I, because I obey God, will lead a quiet and peaceable life. I don't know what the rest of you want to do. I want to lead a quiet and peaceable life. And I'd like to get somebody born again. Why he tied it together, I'll never know. But you can't pull this out right now and twist it because you don't like what's going on. I heard somebody very famous. I got people trying to make me, they want me to follow him. They want me to follow him. He's all the hot rage. But listen to me. Anybody, because prayer is a big deal to me. Anybody who wants to destruct this scripture bothers me. So you can sell a book? So you can get a bunch of followers? This is Wednesday night. I'm looking out of the room. I didn't expect you all to be here. I was going to do a really nice little message. I was expecting about, honestly, I told Desi before I came, I was expecting about 30 or 40 of you tonight. But God is here. He called. This is like a little convocation. This is the, this is the core. This is the core of my apple, right in this room right now. And in you are the seeds. In you are the seeds that will make this church what God has ordained it to be. 
and we ain't playing. We ain't playing. God's not playing. And he wants every, he wants, he has set you and I here. He brought you from nations. He brought you here from different corners of this nation to assemble yourself together so that we can make a difference in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee, that we can get people born again. There's going to be people born again in this room that are going to go to the nations of the world and shake it. Hallelujah for God. But we can't, we, we got to quit playing. Wow. Jesus, I'm going to have to pray through when I get home. We'll have all men to be saved and come to the, and not just get saved, but come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? So that, so that they can walk in all that God has for them. They can be discipled. Why did he tie it together? I'm going to ask him. It's, it's one of the top 20 I got of why did you tie this together? Why did you tie this together? He did. I can't change it. I don't want to change it. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for those in authority. See what I talk about? I, wanted to, I did it in my notes. I skipped right over that because I was going to handle that another day. Because I knew, I, I knew there was something stirring in there, but, but I, he, couldn't let, he wouldn't let me. Hallelujah. I'm serious, y'all. I want you to pray for me. And I want you to pray, Lord, bless Pastor Mark. I want you to pray what you've seen tonight with all boldness. That he may speak the word of God. That you would give him doors of utterance. That he may speak as he ought to speak. Same for Pastor Rhonda. Same for Pastor Robert. Same for Pastor Belinda. Same for anyone. It's for Chad over in uh, Young Adults. Same for uh, Cody in Junior High. Same for Pav in Young Adults. Same for Deanna in Children. Everybody who speaks here, that they would speak the word of God with boldness. That we would speak the truth only. That we would not give our opinions. That we would stick with the word of God. So we can can have what the Word of God says. I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for an outpouring. I was born to see an outpouring. I am not going to heaven without seeing an outpouring. I was born to see the glory of God in manifestation in my hour, in my time, in Madison, Alabama. That's what he sent me here for. That's what I want to see, and that's what we're going to see together. But I can't do it on my own. I, Pastor Ron and I alone, the staff can't do it. We need all of us working together. And we're going to get into some places of prayer. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I am so glad you came to church on a Wednesday night. You better go home. Hallelujah.